Here I am dancing in the studio. This is Rob Huddleston, Justice to the Nations podcast. I am here to serve you at this hour. Today we're going to talk about gender pay gap. What does the Bible have to say about the gender pay gap? Quite honestly, on one hand, nothing. And then at the same time, everything. Biblical economics. What does that look like? Especially in light of our current cultural trends. Wow, big topic. Big topic today. Stay with me. Let's walk it through. Okay, gender pay gap. Is there a gender pay gap? Well, first, let me just say Jonathan Haidt makes a, on the YouTube, Jonathan Haidt makes a very compelling argument that uh, it's just uh, differences of what men like and what women like and what they're involved in. So that's Jonathan Haidt. And I forget, hang on a second, let me just take a quick look and tell you the link because it's a worthwhile watch on YouTube. It is called Blind Pursuit of Equal Outcome Leads to an Abomination of Justice. And it is true. He does an excellent job on that. Now, back to the issue at hand. Um, what does the Bible have to say about the gender pay gap? First, first of all, 1 Samuel 2.7 says that God makes poor and rich. Ultimately, God decides how much money a person makes, and gender is not a factor. A fair wage is whatever is agreed upon before the work is finished. This takes thinking about it from a biblical standpoint. Getting out of the cultural stew we seep in and starting with God. And that, that's the way it is with everything as a Christian. We have to start with God. And what does God have to say? And that immediately changes our perspective on everything. The core issue in biblical economics is just weights and measures and the protection of private property. It's not about gender equality. The Ten Commandments are established to protect private property, and wages are based upon a free market system of stewardship. So we're talking about biblical economics, and they are antithetical to social justice economics, i.e. cultural Marxism. The gender, way pay, <laughs> the gender wage pay gap is a social justice issue. It is considered discriminatory in our society to pay women less than men. And where that is true, social justice demands that the government must create law to rectify this unequal outcome. The Bible, however, does not condone this abuse of power by the government. Now, when we're talking about a moral issue, the Founding Fathers went to the Bible. And Christianity was unquestionably the religion of the day. But it's not the same worldview in America anymore, nor, nor is it the same interpretation of the Bible. For example, Jim Wallace. Jim Wallace is the founder of Sojourners. And he was also Obama's advisor at the White House often. Jim Wallace and many in his camp suggest that the Bible supports social justice. For example, one article written by Matthew Tennant uh, 
who's not directly related, at least not that I know of, not directly related to Sojourners, but he writes, how is the gender wage gap a justice issue? Or rather, how is it a theological issue? If we answer the first question, the second question seems obvious. God seeks justice. For example, one of the hundreds, if not thousands, depending on how one counts, of Bible verses about God's demand for justice is Micah 6.8. He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Christians serve a God of justice. Therefore, justice issues are, by definition, theological issues, says Matthew Tennant. That's what Matthew Tennant wrote. And there is a a modicum of truth here. No doubt, God has a demand for justice. We all agree on that. The Bible does indeed reveal God's demand for justice. It also reveals how, how that justice is to be meted out. The Bible does not empower the government to redistribute the wealth. Redistribute the wealth. That's the issue at hand. The point is not that God wants justice. That's what justice to the nations are. Our podcast try or our blog tries to reemphasize is that the gospel, Jesus Christ, via the gospel, brings justice to the nations. That's the point. God is bringing, Jesus is bringing justice to the nations, but it's not in any fashion that man dreams up. It's not according to the way man wants to bring about justice. And when, insofar, Man comes up with his own ideas about how we press forward into the uh, culture to bring about justice. He corrupts it. Man corrupts it. If we're not submitted to God and his word, we corrupt justice. And that is the problem. Now, you can find examples all over the place like what Matthew Tennant wrote. I mean, it's just you'll find them in abundance Christians and churches nowadays that are buying into the Marxist system, they're embracing the Communist Manifesto as opposed to embracing the Bible in God's way. And that is the problem. So they're in abundance. They're all over the place. In fact, I would say the minority speaks out against this and calls it what it is, antithetical to biblical principle. That is not what God is bringing about He is bringing about justice, but he has a particular way to bring that about. All right, Marxism, Communist Manifesto, and the abolition of private property. God's design for justice eliminates eliminates Marx's design for redistributive wealth. Knowing that God wants justice isn't the issue. How justice is achieved is the issue. Marxism is an unjust economic system. It is a system of theft and wealth redistribution built upon a godless, even satanic, undermining of God's authority. Indeed, it is antithetical to the most basic biblical laws that God has established, namely the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments establish private property. They protect private property by limiting the harm that sinners can do against each other. God establishes government to punish people who violate other people's property. 
and that's Deuteronomy 16:19, Romans 13, and other elsewhere. I mean, the Ten Commandments are set up to protect and set a fence around your property. A man's house is his castle, but first, God owns it all. So we're getting to that. Don't, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'll continue to read. This, by the way, comes from the blog post off Justice for the Nations, justicetothenations.com. When government steps up to create positive laws, such as wealth redistribution to equalize pay, it undermines godly order. Instead of a biblical economic system, Marxism replaces private property with public confiscation. Indeed, the abolition of private property is one of the central planks of the Communist Manifesto, written by Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels. And it says in Chapter 2 of the Communist Manifesto, in this sense, and I'm quoting, in this sense, Comma, the theory of, of the communists may be summed up in the single sentence, abolition of private property. That's what they write in chapter 2 of the Communist Manifesto. Now, one might try, as it seems like he's saying in chapter 2, he makes the argument that it's the abolition of private property, that only the abolition of private property that pertains to the bourgeois property. But it doesn't matter. The Bible directly forbids... Progressive taxing, Leviticus 19.15, which says you shall not sow partiality between the rich and the poor in judgment. In other words, while Marxism steals property from the rich, the Bible condemns the theft of property from anyone, including the rich. So what does this have to do with the gender wage gap? The gender wage gap calls for the state to exercise its power to force business owners to pay more of their money or their property out to female workers whom they would otherwise pay less. It is notable that this is indeed the same issue within with the minimum wage laws. It's just like it. Biblical economics starts with God as the owner. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in therein. Biblical economics starts with God as the owner of everything, and he distributes property and talents as he wills. Luke 19, 12 to 27. We don't have the right to complain that God graciously gives some people more talent than others. Matthew 20, verses 1 to 16. It is his to give as he sees fit. Pertaining to our topic at hand, then we see that God gives people a stewardship and regardless of their gender, race, or status, he requires a return on his investment. The question is never about the outcome, but only the responsibility of the investor. God rewards good investing, and the underlying principle is if you're faithful with a little, God will entrust to you more. Mark 4, 24 and 25. This says nothing about business owners making sure that they pay fair prices. A fair price is whatever is agreed upon between worker and employer. A worker invests his time in an employment situation. And if the employer pays what he says he'll pay, then it has been a good transaction. Biblical economics sees God's... Sees... <laughs> sees God's. 
Biblical economics sees God as the ultimate arbiter of pay. 1 Samuel 2.7 says, The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low. He also exalts. Now, that's just the mindset or the worldview that a Christian should have. This does not have anything to do about gender. God makes rich women and poor women. Rich men and poor men. Here's where the gender pay gap issue must come to a reckoning. The Bible doesn't view life from the cultural Marxist perspective of oppressors versus oppressed. It merely presses in on each party's responsibility to do what they say. If an employer hires someone at a certain price, male or female, then the employer must pay and the employee must do the job that their contract says. Covetousness fuels class warfare. Biblical economics prohibits coveting and requires investing, and yet Marxism is built on covetousness. And covetousness, in turn, calls for empowering the government to respond. It usually it, it is usually dressed in religious garb espousing, quote, fairness and, quote, equality. But it is biblical principle flipped on its head. The covetous employee condemns the, quote, greedy employer, and yet God condemns the covetous employee and calls the employer to be a wise steward. I mean, think about that. The employer has responsibility to be a wise steward, to, to buy low and sell high, to hire at a, a rate that is agreed upon so that he can make money. And yet he gets condemned for it. At the same time, employers, and you hear them grumble and complain, and I've been one of them in the past, complaining about bosses or employers or business owners that don't pay enough. The biblical principle is... The employer should pay the employee what he has promised, and the employee should work as unto the Lord, work hard for what he has agreed to work for, period. What about greedy owners who are bleeding their workers dry? Employers who do not compensate their workers well enough will eventually lose those workers to better businesses. Employees who agree to work for a certain price can either renegotiate that price or move to another employer. In other words, if you think you're worth more, then send out resumes. If you, think, if you want to earn more, become, become that priceless employee. The irony of this is that the Marxist encourages people to see their bosses as greedy, but if those bosses are truly greedy, then they will be the first ones to pay big bucks to any worker who can increase their profits regardless of gender. Okay, what about when the employer is rich and can afford to pay more? Well, charity is charity and business is business. And God calls all mankind to be gracious and giving, taking care of the poor and needy. He does not, however, empower the government to make sure the job gets done. When the government steps in to make people givers, 
make them into givers, forces them to be givers, they have overstepped into God's territory and can only make it worse for everyone. Proverbs 8.36, all those who hate me love death. If a rich business owner wants the blessings of God, he will be a giver. But if he doesn't want God's blessings, the government should not step in and make it happen. The employer is a steward of what God has given, and he is out to increase his investment. If he can hire a lady to get more work done in less time with less pay than a man, he should do it, all things considered, all things being equal. (laughs) As if that wasn't the issue. Point being, that's what God calls him to do is be a good investor. If she is smart, she will recognize that she is worth more and require more pay of her employer. If he refuses, then it's his loss. But it should be noted that he has the freedom to take the loss. It's his loss to worry about. And surely the next question will be, what if she can't work anywhere else? Well, God has made her a woman, gifted her with talents, and required a stewardship to be faithful with. Proverbs 31. The fact that she is a woman makes no more difference in the marketplace than if she were a man, black or white. The wise employer is going to get the best employee he can get with the budget he has, regardless of gender or race. If she can't get work anywhere else, she must do what any male who, quote, can't work anywhere else does. Work where they can and try to increase their opportunities as best they can. This is true of men and women. They must recognize that God makes rich and poor. The previous verse I already mentioned, 1 Samuel 2.7. God gives talents as he wills, Luke 19.12-27. And God promises to take care of our needs, Philippians 4.19. All of these verses are true regardless of what gender you are. By the same token, what if an employer asks her to do something immoral or else he will fire her? Again, this is no different than if a man is asked to do something immoral or get fired. Both should respectfully request to opt out or be willing to be fired. God has promised to provide for our needs. 1 Timothy 6 God has not promised to provide for our wants, but he has promised to provide for our needs. And everyone should be ready to say, no, sir, I won't do that. And may the Lord, just it's everywhere in Scripture, throwing ourselves at the mercies of the Lord Jesus and saying, take care of me, but I'm going to stick to what you call me to do. We should be content with what God provides, not covetous of what our employer will not provide. But isn't it discrimination to pay a woman less just because she is a woman? Well, the discrimination referred to in this question is of the cultural Marxist type. This type of discrimination makes, excuse me, maintains that everyone who can do the job should get paid the same wage. This is not true. The wage is determined, again, 
by the employer and the employee. If a woman can do the job and she's willing to do it for less money than a man, she shouldn't complain any more than the man who lost the job because a woman is willing to work for less. That's the marketplace, the free marketplace. This is not a race-gender issue. A man who loses his job to another man who is willing to do the job for less money should not begrudge his employer for going with the other employee unless there was a contract that the employer is violating. That's a different story. Also, if an employer is discriminating based upon gender, race, or religion, he will ultimately lose business. That business owner has the freedom to incur God's curses for his immoral behavior. In conclusion, it is not discrimination to pay anyone less if they are willing to work for less. If you want to make more money, this is not dependent upon your gender, says Proverb twenty-two twenty-nine. Make yourself priceless to your employer, and then your reputation will go beyond the walls of that business. When it does, demand more. The right way, not the, quote, government is my savior way. I'm Rob Huddleston, your host at Justice to the Nations podcast. Blog is justicetonations.com. Grace, Mercy, Truth Network. Thank you for joining me. Seriously. I really think that we must get a biblical worldview and disciple the nations. Until we meet up again next time, remember that Jesus is bringing justice to the nations for the glory of his name. God bless.